0: When I was little, maybe five or six, I said to my mom that I was very thankful and grateful to live in America in a middle class family. I realized that most kids in the world were not as lucky as I was and rather had to live in some stage of malnutrition. I could have easily been one of those kids since I was found on the doorstep of the police station in South Korea. Uh, I was insightful I guess when I was little but today's reading contrasts the rich and the poor and to be blunt the rich do not fare very well in our readings in the first reading Amos is a prophet trying to warn people of the northern kingdom now let's pick back up a little brief history lesson Uh, David brought the people of the 12 tribes of Israel under one ruler Solomon continued to rule the one nation of Israel After Solomon his sons made a mess of things, split the nation into two The ten northern tribes became Confusingly the nation of Israel The southern two kingdoms became the nation of Judah The northern kingdom falls to the Assyrians in 722 BC The southern kingdom falls to the Babylonians in 586 BC the northern kingdom basically disappears and the southern kingdom comes back after 70 years of exile by the time of Jesus the Romans rule all of what used to be the northern and southern kingdoms so again Amos is warning the people of the northern kingdom he tells them of all the awful things that will happen when the Assyrians defeat them in 722 BC although he also holds out hope that if they change their ways God might spare them the hardship of being defeated and then killed or exiled. The 8th century B.C. in Israel, the northern kingdom, was a time of great material decadence. Amos, speaking for God, says they have become complacent. They are lying on beds of ivory, stretched out comfortably on their couches. They have plenty of animals to eat from. They are experimenting with music. They are drinking wine, not from cups but from bowls and anoint themselves with the best oils. Now none of these things are bad in and of themselves. I think the key word of phrase is, Woe to the complacent of Zion. I think we have become quite complacent as a society, myself included. In the Gospel we hear Jesus tell the parable of Lazarus and the rich man. Notice, first of all, that Lazarus, a poor person is given a name, whereas the rich man is not given a name. Usually it's the other way around. Usually we know the names of the rich. You know, whether that's movie stars uh, or others, we know the names of the rich and famous. And it is usually the poor that are nameless and often just a statistic. Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees. Now the Pharisees were the religious rulers of the day. For the better or for worse, the Jewish society was centered around religion in the time of Jesus. It was the Pharisees that were maybe a little like what our politicians are today. People that other people would like to dislike, but they were still very influential and wealthy. So Jesus tells the story of Lazarus and the rich man. Lazarus is poor and lives on the streets in front of the rich man's house. Lazarus is covered in sores, he is in poor health. And he eventually dies and is taken to the bosom of Abraham. Now technically speaking this is not heaven because heaven was not opened up until Jesus died on the cross. Sometimes uh, theologically this is referred to as limbo, the place where good souls went before Jesus opened the gates of heaven. Now eventually the rich man dies too. He is sent to the place of torment, or as we know it, hell. The rich man sees Lazarus standing next to Abraham. Even now, the rich man is beyond complacent. He still expects others to serve him. He obviously has not learned his lesson. Even now, the rich man asks if Lazarus can come and relieve his suffering. The rich man wants Lazarus to dip his finger in water and cool his tongue. I don't know about you, but that sounds kind of gross. I mean, why would I stick my finger in someone else's mouth? But anyways, Abraham responds to the rich man by saying that he received what was good in life and Lazarus received what was bad. But now the roles are reversed. Abraham says, moreover, between us and you, a great chasm is established to prevent anyone from crossing who might wish to go from our side to yours, from your side to ours it is true as Catholics we know that once you are in hell you can't get out of hell once you're in heaven you you want to stay in heaven when you are in purgatory you're sad because you're being um, purified and that's never an easy thing to do but you are also joyful because you know you can only go from purgatory to heaven you cannot go from purgatory to hell Finally, the rich man shows some concern for someone other than himself. He asks if Lazarus can be sent to his father's house to warn his five brothers. The rich man says if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. Abraham responds that this is not true. He says if they will not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded if someone should rise from the dead. This is obviously a foreshadowing of the Pharisees, not believing in Jesus, even after Jesus rises from the dead. Again, the rich do not fare very well in our first and our Gospel reading for today. For a fuller picture, I think we need to bring in the passage where Jesus says, It's easier for a camel to pass through an eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And then thankfully Jesus says that nothing is impossible for God. What Jesus is saying is it is impossible for a person to enter heaven on their own at least a rich person I said this before but what I think Jesus means is that poor people are acutely aware that they are not self-sufficient materially therefore it's not very hard for them to realize that they are not self-sufficient spiritually that they are in need of a savior whereas rich people live under the illusion that they are self-sufficient materially So it is very hard for them to grasp the truth that they are not self-sufficient spiritually, that they are in need of a Savior. For us rich people, it is only by the grace of God that we realize that we need a Savior, that we realize that we are not self-sufficient spiritually, and that in fact all our material wealth is a gift from God in the first place. Now not everyone is called to, but many people throughout the history of Christianity have given away their material wealth so as to make it easier to attain a spiritual wealth a.k.a. a deeper relationship with God Jesus, God the Father, and God the Holy Spirit In the second reading from St. Paul's first letter to Timothy St. Paul urges Timothy to keep the commandments to pursue righteousness, devotion, faith, love, patience, and gentleness I love some of St. Paul's phrases here Compete well of the faith Lay hold of eternal life What visceral things to do We are rich Just by living in America we are in the top half of the world materially Have we grown complacent in our material wealth? Have we grown lazy and or entitled materially or even spiritually? As the rich we cannot naturally get into heaven we need to rely on God to get into heaven. Have we surrendered our lives to God? Do we realize how poor we are spiritually? Do we realize just how desperately we need a Savior, that we need Jesus Christ? So be like little me, don't be like older entitled me. Be radically thankful for the blessings we have, both materially and spiritually. Then strive to become more thankful more humble, more appreciative of the great gift we have in Jesus Christ our Saviour.